listening to Zap Night, a video game review podcast. Join your hosts as we review video games from all systems and all genres. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Zap Night. I'm your host, Danny, and today we have Brandon back again. Welcome. Hey. <laughs> Uh, last time you were on, I think it was, um, Metroid, Metroid. Super yeah, Metroid. that's right. That was a long time ago. It was. <laughs> so we're back again today. <laughs> we are talking about Metal Gear Solid, specifically the PlayStation one version. Um, you played this one, right? Yes. So, okay. We've both played the PlayStation one version. Um, I did stream my PlayStation one gameplay. So if what you are listening to sounds like fun, you should watch that because, <laughs> <laughs> the struggle is real in this game, for me anyway. Yeah, you didn't, you had a hard time. I did. Did you watch any of it? <laughs> I did not watch any of it, uh, but talking to you, I could kind of oh, gather that. <laughs> oh, man. It was a nightmare. Anyway, we'll get to it. Um, this is episode 57. Um, 57? Yeah, 57. We're, we're getting up there. Uh, starting the first of the year, we're probably going to go down to like one episode a month, but we haven't like fully hashed out the plans yet. So that's to come. Um, so Metal Gear Solid was, uh, developed by Konami. Um, it was originally released on the PlayStation. However, there was, uh, three games prior to Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation, which is Metal Gear, which was released in 1990 or sorry, 1987, and then Metal Gear 2, which was released in 1990. And then um, there's a Metal Gear, uh, like, Solid Snake or something. Something to There's like a secondary game that goes along with Metal Gear 2 that was also released in 1990. So, and I think that those were released on the Nintendo? Uh, and the first Metal Gear was also released on the MSX. And there's oh, like okay. differences between like that and the Nintendo version. Of course, they can't keep anything simple. <laughs> Um, so the PlayStation ver- version was released, uh, on September in September, um, 1998 in Japan. And then in October, 1998 in the U S then I think it was released worldwide, like the, the following year. Um, so let's try and talk about the story. <laughs> um, it kind of takes a lot of twists and turns and, they tried really hard to put in these like um these like surprises as you go along. Yeah. So we're gonna do our best to talk about the story, at least from our point of view. Of course, it's probably gonna be somewhat wrong or in the wrong order, and I apologize in advance, but you don't have to correct us. Yeah. We know we know that we're doing it wrong. We just so. wanna throw that warning out there now. <laughs> it's so. gonna be wrong. Just accept yeah. it. With a convoluted story like this. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially from Metal Gear Solid. Like, this this one in particular, they reference so many things from the past. They reference so many things that, you know, there, there, there are references in the future games that reference this game that have no meaning. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll just kind of get started. Um, this game takes place in um, an Alaskan island. They nickname it Shadow Moses. Um, it's a nuclear weapons facility and, um, solid snake, which is your main character is currently in retirement and is brought out of retirement to be sent off into this mission by his Colonel, uh, Roy Campbell. And, um, his initial mission is to, um, 
find if they have nuclear well find if the the terrorists who have this base um under control is able to launch a nuclear weapon and if so um you know stop them in some way but then also to find the darpa chief right yeah and the president yeah correct? president baker of okay. arms tech gotcha um so as you go along um there's there's a few people that you talk to just over your mic there, what's what's the name of the that? codec the, the codec right so there's a couple people that you talk to over that um uh, Roy Campbell, which is the colonel. Uh, you have Naomi Hunter, which is the gene, the geneticist for the group. Um, and she has a bigger role later. Uh, Mei Ling, which is like the, the tech person for the group. And um, she developed a lot of um, the technology, like the... The, the Soliton radar and all that sure. stuff, too. <clears throat> um, uh, Otacon, which we'll talk about later. Um... Oh, N- Natasha. She was the the weapons specialist, and like I had no contact with her except maybe one conversation, just the introductory conversation. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I ever talked to her. She never called me, so I mean, this has to be a two way yeah. conversation. And even when they introduced her, it's not like she like came in and said hi. They right, just said, exactly. You can it was just her. like you can do this. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, the the focus originally starts with finding um the DARPA chief, right? Yeah, just just infiltrating the base and then finding them and then seeing if they can launch a nuke. Yeah. And as you go along, you start getting information about the Metal Gear, which is this um new this new weapon developed to deliver a nuclear bomb via railgun. Yeah. And it's something that they've dealt with in the past, with obviously like in the first games and everything with this walking bipedal take of like ways to launch a nuke and everything like that. So it's like a program that's being brought on, still worked on. Like obviously like no one knows about it. That's being worked on because it's being covered up. Right. So, like, that's why it's a surprise to Snake when they figure it out because it's at Shadow Moses, which is actually supposed to be like a, like a nuclear disposal facility, but it's actually still being used to develop stuff. So there's like that whole cover up there when they get there. Right. So from the get go, there's a lot of cover up and a lot of deceit. Yes. And and Snake senses a lot of that, like. Like, I, multiple times he's, like, you know, telling the colonel, you know more than what you're telling me. Like, yeah. what what is it that you're not telling me? And instead of, like, instead of this BS response, he just says nothing. So it's, like, obviously there's more to the story than even what yeah. <laughs> what they're telling us. So um, as Snake goes along, um, he gets in contact with um, the... Is it the DARPA chief first? I'm pretty sure. Yes. And, um... The DARPA chief gives him information about there being a way to um, deactivate Metal Gear and um, tells him that he needs to have a card key. He has to have one of, he has to have three card keys in order to be able to do this. So in, in the middle of talking to him, was there any other information that he gave us? Not really, because I think, 
this is like one of the first things that happened earlier in the game, but then the later you go on, you realize that that was a twist too. Right. Like this whole thing. So like, there's really no information given. So like, that was the big thing that he, that, that the DARPA chief gave us. Um, and then he died of a heart attack. Um, and it was this weird spontaneous heart attack that they don't give you a whole lot of information about other than it's a weird mystery. Um, immediately afterwards you, um, hear, um, you hear Meryl in the next room over and you go and investigate. And I think that she, she finds a way to escape her like little prison cell that she's in. And then you help her escape from the area in general. Cause she, she covers up in a guard's uniform. Yeah. Um, so the next the next plan for Snake was to go and figure out where this or to figure out more information about the disarming the nuclear device. Um he runs into um Ocelot who is uh conducting a um uh what do you call that? Um Torturing, torturing the president, trying to get the code out of him. Yeah. And um, when Snake gets there, uh, he, the president is like the president of this tech company. Yeah. He's um he's all bound up with these ties and a bunch of C four all over the place, and you have to fight um Ocelot, who's doing the interrogation, um in this arms fight, and after that. Uh, after the arms fight, then the psycho ninja shows up out of nowhere. And I, is that the first time that you, Oh no, you see bits and pieces of him along the way. Don't you? Like he kind of shows up and disappears. I think that's the first time you see him. Oh, is it? Yeah. He just, cause I think in that cutscene, everything he, he's like, you know, what the heck was that? Yeah. Kind of thing. Okay. So that's the first time. So, um, the psycho ninja shows up, cuts off Ocelot's arm or hand, and the scene ends, and then you talk to the president, and the president gives you a um, gives you the the disc which holds like all of the testing, the nuclear testing information. Yeah. And then he also gives you one of the key cards, right? Yes. Um. So with that information, then he also tells you to call Merrill, and this is where you have to figure out what to do to actually call her. Yeah. And they don't directly say it. All the the only information they give you is you need to call Meryl. Look on the back of your disc. So like, from my point of view, having never played it before, <laughs> I'm like, okay, on the back of the disc, he gave me a disc. So yeah. I'm pulling up the disc in my inventory. I'm trying to activate it. I'm trying to use it. I'm like randomly guessing at numbers. And then luckily someone in the chat, there was only like one person in in the chat room the whole time. And again, thank you so much for hanging out with me during the chat because it really did. One, it helped a lot. And two, it was just nice to sit and hang out with somebody who also enjoyed the game. Anyway, that person told me that to look on the back of my physical game box and this blew my mind. I'm like, are you serious? Like, literally, I have to physically look at my game box to see the code. And sure enough, when I picked up the game box... There's the codec conversation. The the numbers right on there. Now, afterwards, after having played the game, I was kind of looking at the booklet that's inside. And there is, like, a section in the booklet that has 
all of the numbers listed in it yeah. and her number is in the listing. So if you think about it and you look at it, but if you don't have the box, if you only have the disc yeah. or if you're playing this digitally, you have to, you have to figure it out another way. Luckily, I mean, now everybody has the internet. Yeah. You just we look can it just up. Google. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was really mind blowing that you had to utilize, you know, physical real world environment to be able to get your information it just blew my mind so it was a great idea i really i it was frustrating but it was a great idea yeah um anyway you get a hold of meryl um i i I think that really she just is interested in helping um she is a fan uh some somewhat a fan of solid snake yeah so like she wants to help she is a trained soldier in some aspect Mm -hmm. um she's new at being a soldier so she's not very good at it she's not very good at pulling the trigger um but she does want to help yeah um so let's see what what do they do next after that he goes through the canyon to go to the nuclear weapons disposal facility right and that's where he fights the tank and everything with vulcan raven right and raven is this like big like native american guy i think he's from one of the the native tribes up in alaska and um he really he's just He's just one of the one of the he was just a boss fight, really. <laughs> I mean, you do see him again later, but he really had no real significance to the story other than being this like word of wisdom sort of deal. I don't yeah. know. Um so then yeah, the goal getting into the um you're you're aiming to get to the underground facility, right? Yeah, cuz you're still looking for like stuff for metal gear, so you're going through through the nuclear disposal facility because you're wanting to go try to figure out how to take this Metal Gear offline if they can launch it. Right. And, and then you, you do end up meeting up with Meryl and um, confronting uh, Psycho Mantis, who has been previously getting information from both the DARPA chief and the the president to mm-hmm. figure out what the the activation code is. Yeah. <clears throat> you find out that they don't even have the activation information. Yeah. <laughs> but they're trying to get it. So um they need apparently they need two codes to be able to activate um Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. And both the chief and the president have one code. And from Snake's point of view, they both have the codes. Yes. <laughs> but then once you fight psychomantis he reveals that no they don't have any of the codes they weren't able to get both of the codes yet yeah and and snake doesn't know that yeah like you it's given to you the player that you kind of like get this through like scenes and everything like that but he doesn't i see because he doesn't really notice that gotcha so then you push forward and you come across um the uh, sniper wolf and she shoots Meryl down trying to um, trying to pull snake into the view to be able to kill him um, and at this point you have to haul your butt all the way back pick up the rifle in the other building yeah um, and then go all the way back to the the north building to be able to shoot and fight sniper wolf and then as you're going 
towards the the fighting arena, you get captured by Sniper Wolf and uh, Ocelot. And um, Meryl's caught as well. Yes. So then you're thrown in jail and you're tortured for information. I I don't know. What exactly were they torturing him for? I think they were trying to get information because (coughs) I think they... I'm trying to remember this. That he knew like the trick to like the PAL codes and everything like that. And I think they were just trying to get information out of him for that. Because it was like, if you surrender he stops torturing you, but he kills Meryl. Yeah. Like that was the, the trade off. But like I did both scenarios to yeah. see what the heck was going on. And if you surrender, he just ends it. He mm-hmm. doesn't, it's not like you relinquish any information. He just ends it and kills her. So it's like, I don't really understand what the point of the whole torturing yeah. thing was. I think it's just one of those things. Like if you just don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. It changes the ending. A yeah. Little bit. I, I did hear about that. So, um, anyway, what did you end up doing? Did you save her? I always save her. Oh, okay. Like, it's just one of those things, like, I just always do. <laughs> Even though I hate that part because, like, it hurts my hands yes. because it's so long and it you're is. trying to go so fast and you have to do it so many times, but I can't not save her. Right. <laughs> like, when I play, it's like... Yeah. Um, I... That part was kind of tricky for me. I did, um, I did end up saving her, but it, it took a couple tries. Like... Just in the middle of trying to figure out exactly what I was supposed to be doing, it was like, at one point, I didn't save her, and they just, like, freed me, yeah. more or less. Like, they they didn't just free me, but, like, it led to a quick freedom yeah. versus, like, if I were to endure the torture, I would have to find my own way out. Yeah. Um, But I did eventually figure out how to get out. I did save Meryl. And moving on, your next task... Oh, uh, we haven't talked about uh, Otacon yet, because pr- a little bit prior to this, you, you do end up meeting with Otacon, who is, like, the developer for Metal Gear. He's the scientist, but he he's kind of the, like, engineer behind it. So he he kind of worked on developing Otacon as a whole. And that was the fight that you had. You um, you, you fought the ninja, cyborg the ninja, ninja cyborg. Yeah, you fight him there, and you rescue Otacon at the same time. So he kind of owes you. So as you're trying to get out of this jail cell, Otacon shows up and hands you some supplies to help you get out. And Otacon is traveling through the facility under this like um, the stealth suit, the and stealth suit, and he uses that. All the time, he's like, well, luckily, I have my stealth suit. Well, I have my stealth suit, so I can make it there, sort of thing. <laughs> it was like his his gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, Snake makes it out of the jail cell. Um, his next order of business, I think, was to make it to the radio tower. The, yeah, the comms tower. Yeah. So, you go all the way back through all the stuff and make it back to where you fought Sniper Wolf, and then you go through. Right. And that's when you meet the hindy helicopter for the first time for like fighting and you have to like descend the tower so at this point does he know about liquid snake i mean i know that he's heard about liquid snake being kind of the head of the terrorist group yeah um but i don't i don't know how much he knows at that point i think he knows that that's like his target is liquid snake yeah he knows at that point in time that that you know their big thing is they want 
Big Boss's DNA right. and everything. He knows who Liquid is, but that's before he knows like that they're like clone brothers and right, all that yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And that's coming. So um Solid Snake takes down the helicopter and um again with a little bit of Otacon's help, he makes his way to the underground facility. But on his way to the underground facility, he comes in contact with um Wolf again. Mm-hmm. And Wolf and Otacon, who's the scientist again, he they have like this connection. Even though Wolf is a bad a bad guy, she she's a bad guy, yeah. and Otacon is like the scientist helping Snake. Um, Otacon just has fallen in love with her, and really begs the two of them not to fight. Yet obviously you have to because yeah. this is a game that you kill people in. Um, so Snake does kill. Um, kill wolf and she how much information does she give do you remember i don't think she gives out too much information. she probably just gives you a key card to get down to a lower level yeah and she just it pretty much just kind of reveals just more about her as a character and everything right like okay that. oh right because she tells a little bit about her backstory mm. about how like wolves are her only friends and how she like she grew up being like a dog of the yeah because of all like the war and stuff going right. on around her. She and just all grew up in the war. That's all she knew. She she wondered if her life was just you know waiting to be killed. Yeah, sort of thing. and like even in that time, that like snakes like no, you're not a dog. You're a wolf and everything. Right. Kind of like even still like kind of consoling her. She's like dying. Right, and she's the bad guy. <laughs> after after really yeah. terribly sneaking around and trying mm. to kill you and Meryl. Yeah. That's just cause like, you know, even like snake as the whole time is just talking about being soldiers of war and just people on different sides and just realize that a lot of people are just being used in battle yeah. and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. True. So, um, wolf dies. Otacon's kind of sad about it, but they move forward. Um, snake makes his way to the underground facility. Um, he makes his way all the way to metal gear after fighting Raven again, mm-hmm. uh, Raven elegant, elegant, elegantly dies um, ceremoniously by being consumed by, by ravens, ravens, which was kind of brutal. Yeah. Um, that fight was kind of fun, by the way. We'll talk about it. <laughs> anyway, um, once once you get to Metal Gear, you make your way to like the control deck, and that's where you find out kind of the big like plot the like overall plot of what's been going on. Um, not only, not only at this point in time, and we haven't talked a whole lot about it yet, but at this point in time, he's not only looking into, um, metal gear and how to deactivate it, but he's also looking into this, um, Fox die virus that is randomly killing people with heart attack symptoms yeah, you find out that they want the cure for it too right like it's not it wasn't really ever about like the billion dollars and everything like that it was about like metal gear wanting right. like fox die and everything like that and um about this time too you find out that one of the guys who you've been talking to with your codec is trying to uncover this like secret backstory from of naomi who is your gene therapy person? Yeah, Master Miller. And she, she, you find out that she's been injecting people with nanobots that have been 
up to this point helping Snake by giving him shots of adrenaline or giving him, you know, um, anesthetics or whatever, you know, to help him throughout his, his journey. But you also find out, and I think it was about then that she has been working with the terrorist group. Um, yeah, because they start questioning her and then she gets like taken captive and everything like that. Right. Like she's making these secret transmissions and all stuff. And, and you, you come uh, eventually you come to find out that like snake is injected with the, the trigger, right? He, yeah. He's injected with Fox dye. And he like, but the, he's like, he's like the one who's activating it in the other. He's the one who's spreading it because no one right. else has it. He he has it and is spreading it to other people. You've you've come to find out that that was like the main mission all along. Like he was sent there by like the higher ups and like right. the government and everything like that with Fox died to go and take these other people out. Like that was the mission all because, along. And and that again leading up to the bigger story plot. Um you find out that snake is part of this like soldier cloning experiment that they're taking this, this guy, big boss who is at the time, like this big, like really well-respected soldier and they're cloning his DNA and cloning it in a way to make super soldiers. And snake is part of this along with, um, liquid snake Mm -hmm. who's part of it and um these clones are you know essentially being eliminated through the the higher up the higher ups the government's trying to kind of cover up what's been going on along with you know trying to remedy the issue that is going on with the nuclear issue the nuclear scenario is also being covered up too so like everything from a government's point of view Everything is like being condensed into this one base, and they're trying to wipe it all out yeah, altogether. Yeah, they're trying to take out the people who know, but also try to save Metal Gear because they still want Metal Gear for themselves. Right. And <laughs> well, I mean, they put all this money into it. Yeah. <laughs> and research, and um, so in any case, you uh, you make it to this um, the like data or sorry. I, whatever I called it before was the perfect. comms tower. Yeah, no, or, or, no, in metal. Oh Gear, yeah, the, the like the command center. The command center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you make it inside there, and you find out that your card key. Um, you, this whole time you've been given one of the three card keys, but you find out that that one card key can transform into all three. And so what you have to do to activate this transformation is to change it into different temperatures. So if you're holding the car key, normally it's uh, room temperature, which is your first, yeah. like your first, you have to insert it three different times. So the first one is room temperature. Yeah. Then the second one is freezing. And then the third one is overheated. And you have to actually make your way to rooms that have those temperature variants to be Mm -hmm. able to activate the card. So that's part of like your last big journey through the underground base. You have to go and and do those things. When you finally do deactivate the last um, console with the, the heat card, you find out that this whole time you've been deceived that 
you um that snake has been deceived that you uh you're actually going through and activating metal gear yeah that they never knew the codes or anything like they, that they wouldn't have made it anyway uh, they wouldn't have otherwise made it without snake going through and and doing all of this so um snake pursues liquid snake up to metal gear and just as metal gear is getting activated and um obviously snake has to fight metal gear part of the fight with metal gear is to take out the like radio the satellite yeah the satellite on his shoulder and once you take it out um the ninja shows up again and reveals himself as being gray fox who is this um you explain like snakes like mentor and everything they like met as like prisoners of war and like they have like this old history together and then like they just kind of went their separate ways and then just met together on the battlefield on separate sides but right he still considers them like a friend after just like that time together they're just and from solid snake's point of view he killed gray fox yeah he thought he killed him back in like one of the earlier games like back in like zanzibar right So what really happened was um, Gray Fox was taken back and put into this bodysuit, this armor that made him not really fully alive, but not really fully dead. Yeah. He so like had his like consciousness crazy. of like him being in there and then he just like wanted to fight pretty right. much. So he pursued Snake to this base just to fight him. And when it comes down to it, Gray Fox completely destroys that satellite on um, Metal Gear's armor. And by disabling that device, um, Liquid Snake is then exposed to the open atmosphere and also exposes the interior control panel to Snake. So then your second part of the fight of Metal Gear is to shoot your grenade or shoot your uh, missiles at Metal Gear's like open compartment and at Liquid Snake. Yeah. Now in the meantime, um Gray Fox dies by Metal Gear, but he kind of dies, you know, happily. Like he wasn't he he wasn't himself. He wasn't a human anymore at that yeah. point. He was happy to just be done. So anyway, you fight Metal Gear. Um, Metal Gear kind of gets, I don't know, what do you... It's pretty much like almost somewhat useless at that time because... And and then uh, you're you're rendered kind of like in this in-between unconscious and conscious. And Liquid Snake, uh, one, disrobes you for no reason. And then carries you on top of Metal Gear... And um, has Meryl as, like, held captive. Yeah. And puts a bomb near Meryl. So you have a, what is it, like a three-minute time limit? Yeah, he, like, hooks the bomb up to Meryl somehow because video games that when she dies, the bomb goes off. So, But they have this time limit. You know, video games. Yeah, right. (laughs) So you have three minutes to fight Liquid Snake. Um, You fight him. Oh, by the way, he also, like, divulges the whole plot. It has this long exposition where you finally learn everything about how their brothers, their clone brothers, and all this stuff. And and how Liquid, like, Liquid's point of view of the whole story where, you know, he was raised um, 
as like an inferior to Solid Snake's genes. Yeah, like they took out of like the clones and everything, they put like all the strong genes into one and left all the recessive genes in the other. Right. And he was all upset because even before he was born, like Solid Snake took, you know, <laughs> took all this from me and everything like that. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. It does. <laughs> And then, of course, like, after this, you find out, be like, he was actually the strong one after all. Right. And it's like, you know, because, of course, that's how it's it's got to work anyways. Like, right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Solid Snake fights Liquid Snake. Um, Liquid, like, I don't know. He Oh, he falls off a of Metal Gear, supposedly to his death yeah. once again. Um. Solid Snake saves um, Meryl from the bomb, and uh, they have to make an escape, where Otacon then opens up the door to the parking garage, Yeah, and Meryl and Snake make their way to the parking garage, they um, jump in a jeep, and they're driving out of the parking garage, and then get pursued by Liquid Snake. Yeah. And you have to fight off Liquid Snake, resulting in this, like, big car accident scene. And, um, of course, Liquid Snake lives again. Um, and I don't, I, I don't even remember what happened to him. He like, dies from Fox Die. Oh, that's right. He yeah. walks towards you and Fox Die finally ends up Yeah, that's him. right. Yes. So then um, that leaves Meryl and uh, Solid Snake free to escape. Um, they find out from Mei Ling that there is a, uh, <laughs> satellite, this was her quote, satellite imagery showed us that there is a, uh, a snowmobile, snowmobile nearby, and then you go there and the snowmobile's in a cave. So, like, I'm not really sure how, how they saw that with satellite imagery, but video games, right? Yes. <laughs> um, so anyway, then you jump on the snowmobile and you make your escape and that's pretty much it. Yeah. So, uh, long-winded, Long. <laughs> uh, there, it, it's obviously, it's not as much of a story like Final Fantasy would be, but it's way more of a story than any other shooter game really has. Yeah. Like, normal shooter games don't have this much story. And it's very cinematic in its presentation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, by far. Because if you take the cinematics away, it's probably... Like only like a four hour game. I was gonna say that, and I was actually wondering about how many hours I actually spent using the controller outside of just pushing. Like yes, okay, yes, okay, yes, okay. So yeah, you take away all of the story, the storylines, and you have just gameplay. It's probably like a three four hour game. <laughs> um, but I mean, at to- by by the finish, I think I had like fourteen hours into it. Yeah, I well, you were like I, at ten. Ten. And I think that that's about normal. About 10 yeah. is normal. I spent way more time because I suck. And for you, like, this was your very first right, time playing exactly. it. Where at least, like, me, I have that knowledge of, like, playing the remake a couple times before actually coming back and playing the I PlayStation I definitely version. see the advantage of having played it once. To play it again now, I think I could get through it significantly faster. One, because I have the learning curve out of the way. Yeah. Two, I remember... You know, I, I should be able to remember or at least quickly pick back up the fighting patterns for all the bosses. And just remember and what you have to do next and everything right, like yeah, that. Where, where you're going. I spent a lot of time just kind of like wandering around mm-hmm. like, where was it that I'm supposed to go? And then I would go into the to the um, 
to the codec and start calling people yeah. like who who's gonna tell me where i go and, next and you like know? i even did that even after playing for a couple times i was like i forgot what i had to do and that yep. was like the time they had to call meryl to open up the door to go outside yeah. i was like oh yeah i'm supposed to call meryl so i had to grab grab the box and look it up but i totally forgot what i had yeah. to do at that point in time like what am i supposed to do right <laughs> so i mean you know they they tell the story pretty well um, it's very confusing, especially at first, because they're name dropping like crazy. They're referencing stuff that happened in the past that I had no knowledge of. Yeah, you know, they're referencing previous games and previous characters that you know from for someone who's not played those games, this is all blind to them. So, like for me, it was completely blind. Like I had no idea who these characters yeah. were. I was barely making it through the gameplay. So it was it was a bit of a struggle at first, but I towards the end, I pretty much enjoyed the story. Um, the The plot twists that they threw in there were kind of like really. Like, Liquid Snake survived from dying, like, six times. Yeah. And he probably survived the the fox die, too, for all I know. So, like, you know, they they tried really hard to make this as interesting of a story as possible. I, I ended up giving it an 8 out of 10. Yeah. I, I gave it a 10. Okay. So... I mean, that's probably somewhat biased, but Metal Gear is one of my favorite franchises. Sure, and, yeah. like, this story was the one that finally got me into it and like it took me a while before i even got into metal gear because i tried the playstation version back in the 90s when i had my playstation yeah i couldn't get into it i tried the gamecube version probably like two or three times before it finally actually like clicked with me yeah and then like i was hooked ever since sure so like this being like the starting off point like like it's still like to me a really good story and like one of my favorites it's 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 a really good story as an overall and i think as the story progresses this one might be a little more impactful to the overall story but for what it is from what i've played in my experience of metal gear as a whole which is this game alone yeah um there's too many holes that they just kind of glaze over and it just left me going like what why you know what like like the um the ninja robot uh gray fox yeah like he had so much significant they they tried to give him so much significance but like really from my point of view he had very little to do with the story at all like he was there more or less out of coincidence like he had few he had a couple ties to like snake he had some ties to um well his big thing for the plot thing was being tied to naomi and that's why right naomi wanted revenge on snake and did a lot of the fox die stuff because she helped with all the fox Eye, putting it in him and everything and she wanted revenge on snake and like coded like fox Eye to go after him but her thing with doing that is she said his value because Fox Die works as in it can identify people by their nanomachines and DNA and everything. It can be a, assigned to attack and kill certain people. And she set it up to kill Solid Snake. But she set his value at like a wild card thing. So whenever his time is up, 
Like, he's just going to die. And it was kind of like one of those things she set it up to where he never knows when he's going to die. It could happen at any moment. It's kind of like sitting there and be like, you're going to die at some point, but I'm not going to tell you when. Hmm. And she did that because of, like, what he did to Frank Yeager slash Gray Fox. Right. Because, because in her mind at that point in time is he's the reason why he is the way he is, like getting put in the cyborg ninja. So she right. wanted revenge. And then by actually working with him and figuring out, you know, she figured out he's not that bad of a guy. Right. So, <laughs> like, that was the big, probably, significance of him being there. Right. It's just, I, I felt like that the game put so much emphasis on him and this, like, oh, there's the crazy ninja who can do really good backflips again. And it was <laughs> like they kept showing him and kept showing him, but it was like, just get to the point. Like, and I kind of felt that way about a lot of the bosses too. Like Raven kind of had very little significance. Wolf had very little significance. Yeah. It was just like, they needed bosses, but like, because it's so story driven, they tried to do what they could to incorporate them into the story. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, still, I gave it an eight. That's not terrible. Yeah. It's just not, not a 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and move on to graphics. Um, I was generous on this game. I gave it an 8 out of 10. That's pretty generous. I gave it a 6. Okay. Um, The graphics are not great. And the biggest reason why I gave it an 8 out of 10 was because this was released in 1998. And 1997 was Final Fantasy VII. 1998 was Final Fantasy VIII. And I understand that graphic limitation. And they did really well with what they had. Yeah. And that... That... I I say that, you know... It's not great. It by no means yeah. is this a great looking game. There's no facial expressions or anything. Not like- at all. Not at all. But they do have a lot of cinematic movement. They yeah. do what they can with the technology they had to deliver the best visuals that they possibly could. They added in a whole lot of um like actual video footage. Yeah. Like they had a lot of nuclear explosion footages, the like scientists like yeah, working in labs yeah, and everything the, like that. The very end like video or the very the ending, they added like all these like the dogs pulling the sled. Yeah, like, they had all these like video clips of like wilder like um um moose out in the background yeah. or like a polar bear sliding around on the <laughs> ice. It's just like you know, they didn't need mm. to do this, but like they de- they literally yeah. they dedicated an entire disc yeah. to just like video footage. And they didn't do like FMVs like you would see in like a Final Fantasy where it's like, you know, we're giving you these really nice rendered like cutscenes and everything that right. they did. They kept pretty much everything mostly in the in-game engine for their cutscenes. They really and did. Yeah, they really did. They didn't pre-render anything. And, you know, I really appreciate that from, yeah. you know, a, a technical point of view, it, it was done, I think, to their best ability and really maybe not the best that the console could do, mm. but I think for the time, it really was a, a good looking game. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't age very well, but that's just kind of the nature well, of this well, generation. Yeah, the PlayStation 64 era is like, right. they don't really age that well but at the time i mean you don't get 3d graphics like that yeah like you know you look at like mario 64 and they're they're not great you look at this game and it's it's not great now but at the time it really was yeah it was a big deal (laughs) like i appreciated you know all the little like tweaks that they would do like the um 
the explosives that you could drop on the ground were invisible unless you used, you know, the the, the mind detector or the mind detector. Yeah. yeah. So then you could actually see them, you know, in the the way that the um the stealth camouflage worked, where it was like this like shimmer of a person outline as yeah. they walked around. So it just it was neat. It was a neat way to. It, it, they just they did a good job yeah. overall. Uh, what was the worst you think about graphics? Uh, probably just the overall like blockiness and just like yeah. there's no definition. Like you know, you, like you look at their faces and it's just it's just blocks. Like there was no eyes or no mouth or anything like that. It it's was just, like there was hint of facial features, but like not really facial. Like features. with the eyes, it looked like they tried to add depth so there'd be like a little bit of darkness yeah. or something there, but there was nothing like nothing there right like the most amount of like uh like character like that you saw was like in the codec conversations with the drawings and and everything really good those looked really Mm. good and you think like probably with if they were like if they had like this big huge budget and everything like probably more and they actually like did fmz or fmv cutscenes and everything like did all this it'd probably be like a four disc game with like even add more with all the talking and everything yeah because there's a a lot of lines in there like there's just like fully voice acted like everything everything so (laughs) yep so um we'll talk about gameplay now this is kind of the meat of the conversation um i'm gonna be straightforward i I give it four i can understand that (laughs) i gave it i gave it a six okay so like it wasn't great right and it, it has not aged well i mean and it's probably different for us like being here like 21 years later you know, we're used to like, even like when I play PlayStation games anymore, like mostly all of them are dual shock, like being able to use analog. And this is, you have four direction pads right. on a full like 3d game and everything. So like I, I don't think that the camera caused an issue for me. Um, it does seem like it was a little different depending on where I was at in like location where I was at. The camera wasn't too bad. So, like, getting around, for me, yeah, like, an analog stick would have been a little bit easier, but really it wasn't too bad. Yeah. Um, the biggest problem was shooting. Uh, I, you can't look around. Like, you can press triangle to kind of get an, an idea of where enemies are. Yeah. But, like, when you leave that first-person view, you could be completely turned around and then you have to turn all the way back around to actually fire at them. In the meantime, they're just unloading ammo at you, yeah. and you're dead. Um, and on top of that, every single hit you take, you fall on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Well, there was also, too, and I, f- I forgot how to do this, because one of my least favorite sections of the game is when you have to climb the communications oh tower and all the guys gosh, are tricked. Yes. And it's... I think it's like something I've struggled with in whether it's the GameCube version or this version. It's just, that's a section that did not age well, but I forgot that you can actually run and shoot at the same time. If you hold, if you hold like trying, what was it? I think like it was either X or triangle, something like that. You could do a button combination where you could run. And then if you hit square, you could run and shoot. So like the, the trick that was that I looked up for like the communication towers, you throw like stun grenades, like every like, five seconds or everything that stuns people but then you also take your famas your like assault rifle and you just also run and just whenever you see a person just shoot and as you're you're just running and shooting them because the gun automatically locks on the targets when right. you're running and then it just takes them out that way and it made 
that a whole lot easier. I struggled so hard on that part. I think I climbed that stupid tower a dozen times, at least, yeah. at least twelve times, probably more. I got frustrated. It was. It was like I would get, I would get so far, and either I'd run out of ammo, or I would just die before I got there. Yeah, and I was. I think. I'm pretty sure I was maxed out on rations. I think at the time you can take three or four, something like that. And I was maxed out on rations. I had full health. Like, so, like, the health itself wasn't an issue. It was just, like, timing everything just right to be able to actually yeah. get up there. Um, I did find out that if you use the night vision goggles, you lock on easier. Yeah. And I think that was the key that got me up the tower. Ah, uh. Because I was not using the night vision goggles. I was just <laughs> running up there blind. And he was locking on, like, the rifle was locking on to targets, but it was kind of, like, hit or miss. Yeah. Like, you weren't always locking on. And, it, it, like, sometimes, like, when you're going up the stairs and everything, like, you wouldn't hit them. Or if they're, like, below you and you need to turn around. Right. Like, it wouldn't hit them, like, all the time. And for whatever reason, when I switched to night vision goggles... He locked on way better, and I don't feel like the enemies were coming at me very quickly. Yeah. I don't know if it was, like, a game mechanic that they built in, because, uh, you know, after getting frustrated and fighting it so many times, you start getting desperate. It's like, well, what else can I do? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, like, you know, going through the codec, talking to different people, trying to get an idea of what else I can do. And I think the colonel was like, you know, it's really dangerous when it's dark out. You should probably use night vision goggles. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I'll try it. And I did it. And it seemed to help. So, again, I don't really know if it was like a game mechanic that night vision goggles and then the game cooperates. Or if yeah. it was just like, you know, I got lucky. I guess it would make sense because that's one of the areas, too, where if you look on the screen, like the corners are a little bit darker around yep. there. And you can only like see there. Yep. So that would kind of make sense, too. So I don't know. I don't know if if that was the case, but I felt like that that helped me get up there. And man, it took me so many tries. But after I tried the night vision thing, I got up there in like two tries. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many tries it took me. I know I was sitting there and I was like, "Oh, this is frustrating." And then I got up there, and I got to like my next like least favorite fight in the hind D, especially because once I got up there, I only had one ration left plus the ration that was there, and if you got caught in the machine gun fire, it's like it, it took away so much of your health. I backtracked and got more rations. Oh, did you? Yep. Because once you make it up the tower and you're fighting the helicopter. They never come back. They don't come back. So you can just go back down. You go back down because you've got to repel down before you do the, the full fight. Yeah. Um. If Once you make it down to the second platform, you can use C4 to blow up the door yeah. in Tower A. And then you can go back down, and at the base of Tower A, there's a ration. So I picked up that ration, then climbed back up the tower, and made it up back up the other tower. Yeah. And that's that was the only way, because I fought, I struggled with that fight. Although, I struggle with every boss fight. Oh, did you? Um, it took, like, three or four tries just to get the learning curve down, and if I made it that far. So then, like, once I learned the, like, the, you know the procedure of the, the pattern. I, once I learned the pattern, yeah. then I had it. It's like, but I had to make that click. 
It's like I could tell as soon as the pattern clicked, I'm like, I've got this now. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was good. But like the first like three or four times fighting a, a boss fight, it was a nightmare. Um, the the fist fight was really stupid. Oh, yeah. The fist fight was just ridiculous. Um, the Psycho Mantis fight was interesting. Um, he, uh, this fight, he, he was a mind reader, right? So the trick, and I'm sure everyone who's watching this is like, well, yeah, I mean, I already know the trick, but to me, I was coming into it blind, had no idea. (laughs) So I'm fighting him and I'm fighting him over and over and over again. And I was making no progress to the point where the Colonel had to call me and say, yo, plug your controller into slot two and see if that helps. I'm like no like you're joking and then it works and then it works and i'm like oh my god that kind of blow your mind a little bit because being a mind reader he can read controller port one and everything (sighs) i i understood where they were going with it but it just felt like a silly gimmick to throw in there just to throw you off but like even after doing that he was still kind of a a (laughs) challenge like because the the furniture that moves around like the chairs, specifically the chairs. If the chairs are activated, even yeah. though they're sitting along the wall, you can still get hurt by them. Yeah. So, like, you have to avoid the chair area, plus the pots that are walking around. You have to avoid the pot area. Yeah. It's just, like, it, just little pieces that were frustrating. <laughs> and all of these little pieces on all the boss fights just made the game kind of infuriating. <laughs> So the other part that really drove me absolutely crazy was the very last fight or the very last like run, the, um, the Jeep yeah. where, you, where you're on the automatic machine gun on the back of the Jeep. Yeah. That was a struggle to <laughs> say the least. You didn't shoot in first person. I, what? <laughs> if you held, tri- if you, hu- if you held triangle, you can shoot in first person. That would have saved me so yeah, much. Yeah, if you hold triangle, it goes into first person view and you can fire and move the, move the gun from side to side and everything like that. Had no idea. Had no idea. He, Snake was so slow to move. Like he, he was holding it. He's just like, he would take like two baby steps per yeah. turn and like, you're in the heat of this and you have like liquid snake is chasing you down the, down the tunnel Yeah, and you have to like weave and shoot at him and weave at the same time. And then probably the worst part was like when you're side by side in the tunnel yeah, and you have the pillars going along the middle of the two tunnels. Yeah. He was hitting me shot after shot after shot. And I could not hit him for nothing. And it took me like again, maybe like five or six tries yeah. to finally get it. And by then, like this was the very final fight too. So like I had done Metal Gear, you know, I had done the fist fight, and now I'm doing this stupid thing. And I'm like, what's next? You know, a crappy Tetris fight too? Yeah. Like, am I gonna have to challenge him to, you know, tic tac toe? Like yeah. this is ridiculous. I was just I was totally over it by the time I made it to yeah. the end of the game. <laughs> Yeah, that's the trick to the thing, is the first person aiming and firing. I had no idea. I had (laughs) no idea. Because, yeah, it makes it a lot easier because, like, you're looking behind you, and when he moves, you just kind of, like, move and spray as he's doing it, and then it moves to the side, and you do, like, the same thing. Wow. I would have really liked to have known that. (laughs) I mean, it's too late now. I'm not going to replay it, but (laughs) it's just... 
it, there was little spots like that. Like, to the overall gameplay, it seems insignificant, except for the amount of those stupid, infuriating moments. Yeah. Just added up to this, like, ugh, yuck, <laughs> as far as gameplay goes. There's not that much of it, but, like... It's the core, right? Like yeah. that's that's what you're playing. You're playing a game to play the game, and if the gameplay isn't that good, then why would you want to play it again? So, from that point of view, I'm really surprised that this game has held on as long as it has. Um, the gimmicks are kind of neat, but they're kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You you talk about what what do you like about the game, like fighting wise or uh, gameplay wise. Gameplay wise, uh, for this game, like the PlayStation version, not really too much. I'm very much a fan of the 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 Twin sure. Snakes remake, just because of the way that it took a lot of stuff from Metal Gear Solid Two, and they just remade it and put it into Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Now, granted, it made it a lot easier than this game, like, and even kind of just like broke like certain aspects to the point where it was almost too easy. Kind of, but it's still, like, fun in a way. Like, you know, you still, like, the camera angles for this one, it was before they switched to, like, almost like a third-person view, like, kind of like how they did for some of the other games. Yeah. So you still had, like, the fixed camera angles. Like, you know, you come in, this is how this room kind of works and everything. But they gave you the option to go into first person, and when in first person, you could aim your gun and shoot and everything like that. You know, they gave you a tranquilizer gun, which was introduced in Metal Gear Solid 2, so instead of, like killing the soldiers you could just tranquilize them because that's the other like big thing for like runs in this game is like you're supposed to be a stealth soldier like they don't really want you like killing people and everything like you get a better ranking for the lower amount of people you kill yeah but since there wasn't really anything besides like stun grenades or tranks or anything i never felt the need to actually like just not take people out and just make it easier for myself it was so much easier and and in fact when you got caught it was easier to just stand in a corner and just mull down the enemies coming at you, and then eventually they'd yeah. stop, and then the whole room was clear, and you could just roam around. You could freely. also just transfer into another room, and it just goes oh, away yeah. too. I did so it's like, that. oh, like my warning's off. I'm just gonna go to another room and then go back in, right? Because then everything's all just like reset. reset. Yep. So I think just like doing like that, like when they did those quality of life changes, like it just makes it like so much better to be like oh so i can tranquilize people and it doesn't like affect my score yeah. it makes those things easier they gave you the ability to hang from ledges they changed the part at the end where with the pal cards instead of like go- you don't have to go all the way back to the like furnace or the warehouse in the room that metal gear's in you can drop down hang from ledge and drop down again and there's a like a steam pipe and a freezing pipe, and you can oh. just freeze the card instantly there. And the th- so you don't have huh. to do all that backtracking. You can just do all that because they put that in I there. Kinda, the backtracking didn't bother me a whole lot. Like <laughs> there was, I the 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 pal card itself was kind of stupid, mainly because the elevators took forever. That was my least favorite part. Is like you have to ride these two elevators right. to get back and up they, there. They take so long. Yeah, uh, but. The the first time you have to do a serious backtrack was for the sniper rifle. Yeah. 
And I liked that mainly because one, it kind of challenged my memory on where stuff was, but also I could kind of explore the rooms that I didn't have access to before. Yeah. So that part of it was kind of fun. Cause they send you back for that. And then you got another key card and you're like, I can open more doors in this right, room now. Yeah, and get exactly. Stuff. And there was, there was a door, um, when you fight Wolf the second time in that big, like blizzard yeah. arena, there's one door that you need like a key card. Like, seven. Yeah. I think like the last card and, and you don't get it until much until you fight a uh, Raven again. Yeah. And you can go back and pay. I didn't, I didn't do it. I thought yeah. about it way too late and I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you could have gone back into, I would have liked to have known what was in that room. <laughs> Did you know that the boxes played a significant role? Like you, that you could use those for fast travel. Really? Yeah, there's three boxes for like heliport, nuclear thing, and then like the snowfield. And what you do is like in those areas, there's a truck, and if you hop up, you equip the box that of the like the area you want to go to, and then it'll transport you. Oh. So like if you're out in the snowfield and you want to go back to the heliport, you put the heliport box on, sit in the truck, and like wait a couple seconds, and then oh they're, like my gosh, they do a transfer, so and then they drop funny. you off at the heliport. I didn't know this. Yeah. That's so funny. So they're not totally useless for like hiding and everything like I, that. I noticed that I had the boxes and I had seen, you know, that's like, that's like the thing for Metal Gear, right? Is that you hide in the boxes. Like yeah. coming from someone who's never played it before, I knew that much. Like yeah. the box, the boxes was a significant like icon for Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. <laughs> I think I used the box once, I think, to actually hide. Huh. And I think it was in the nuclear arms disposal thing. And I think I had that box and a guy was coming and I was like just in the middle of the stairs and I just equipped it. And they're like, oh, it's just a box. <laughs> just right there in the middle of the stairs. And they walked away. I'm like, oh, good, good. Go away. <laughs> I don't think I ever really successfully hid from any of them. Like when I got in... When I got noticed, my biggest option was to just to hunker down in a corner and just yeah try and kill them, or I would just die and start over again. I had far too many continues. Yeah. <laughs> Once I got to like the blast furnace, that was like probably the real point where it's just like because there was a guy like standing off on like one of the things. I'm like, I'm just gonna shoot him. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna care about being stealthy. Like. I don't have a tranquilizer. Like, that's my thing. Like, I just want, like, if I could trank him, I'm like, I'll just put him to sleep. But it's like, no, he's just like, you're yeah. in my way. Just, just go. Right. I don't care about these rankings That's how and I stuff. felt in the, um, the hangar for Metal Gear. Like, there was one soldier way up at the top on the third floor. Yeah. Right before you go into, like, the control room. Yeah, doing, like, his route yeah. and everything. And I got hit by him every single time. But if you just hurry, you can either go into the control room and he goes away or he can climb up Metal Gear. And he's like, well, back to my position. Yeah. Like, <laughs> don't worry. It's just this <laughs> huge, you know, multi-billion dollar machinery that someone's sneaking yeah. around in. So, I think with, like, this game, like, just probably overall, it's like, even the gameplay is not that good. And even, like, when they did the remake, it's still good. But I probably more like this game more for the story. And then, like, as the games went on, the gameplay just got even better. So, this one's just, like, you can tell, like, it's, like, the first game in Metal Gear Solid. Like, right. doing all that stuff. So, I... Gameplay-wise, it sucked. Uh, but I could see where minor tweaks would have made this a lot better. And I really can see where, you know, the, the, the remake or the updated versions of this game 
would just have made this such a better experience overall for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it. This is what I played. This is what I'm reviewing, and yeah. what I played, I, I didn't really like it a whole lot. Oh. I was I spent more time being aggravated and confused than I did actually having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's where my four comes in. Yeah, and that's. I can't really argue against that. Yeah. Like I, th- I still think I'm being generous. Like oh, giving, yeah. giving, like giving it a six. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. No. There's and there's nothing wrong. I mean, y- you have a, a different experience from it than what I do, just because you have the history of the other games yeah. behind you. I, I don't coming into this. I just, I'm left to, you know, I try really hard not to look up hints and look up walkthroughs. Yeah. Because I want to play it for what the game is trying to tell me, and. It just, it led to kind of a, a mess. And, yeah. You know. It, so, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's like a band or something putting out a demo before putting out their first album. It's like, here's the groundwork of kind of like what we're doing, and then right. we're just going to get better from here. Right, right, so. right. Yeah, I totally see that. Um, so, let's go ahead and move on to music. Um, music doesn't just incorporate music. It's also sound effects and voice acting. Uh, I give it a nine. That's what I gave it. I thought it was really, really, really well done. Um, the The music wasn't a whole lot, but it was enough to be iconic. Yeah. Um, the thing that really struck me hard was the voice acting. Not only was the voice acting there at all, it was really good. And the funny thing about that is, like, later on when they did the remake, they like brought everyone back and fully re-recorded all the voices why why didn't they just they they weren't they they actually weren't happy with the original one because i think the original one it was like recording just like some like pretty much like a closet with like no like sound thing so like they wanted to like redo the stuff they brought back professional recording they brought like david Hayter who does who did solid snake Uh and he took a pay cut so they could bring everyone else back in all the original voice actors and they brought them all in and they did it like all in the professional studio did like all the stuff and like re-recorded it that's really cool and i was like i was kind of thrown for a loop because like listening to Mei Ling in the original, like she's got the, you know, obviously like the Asian like right. accent and everything like that, where they got the same voice actress and everything, but in the remake, she doesn't talk like that. She just talks more just like like a normal American. Really? Like yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So like I was sitting there I was like, oh, she kind of talks like this. Like you can tell like they changed their voices like a little bit, except for like, you know, Snake just still has that gruff voice. But yeah. like a lot of the people like change just somewhat slightly. And I was just that, but yeah, the voice acting and just everything's voice acted. It's not like that's what made this a two disc game was all the voice acting, the huge amounts of it, and um, the video. Otherwise, it, <laughs> it could have been condensed into one disc. But because there's a lot of games, probably like even up to that point where like you could get like some scenes that are voice acted, and then everything else, if you talk to someone, it's just you're reading text. text yeah. Where this is like everything all your codec conversations every single scene absolutely mind blown when it came to that just the amount of voice acting Mm. was just phenomenal and a lot of times voice acting for video games gets kind of snubbed because it's you know especially in the 90s people were just like it's a video game yeah like who cares it's just a video game just throw voice actors in there and we don't care well, they cared, and they did a really good job. Like, they really put 
effort into the voice acting and i really appreciate it and i think like when they're doing this and like you see like kind of like the influence it had on like some things where it made this video game like a cinematic almost like experience it did yeah where like instead of being just like the old school like you know you're watching like a movie play out and then it's like a point and click thing and everything this brought in like video game gameplay and cinematics to where it was like you're almost like playing a movie yeah i remember one time when i was like younger playing the gamecube version is i kind of wanted to play a game but watch a movie so i just spent the day and i played metal gear the whole day like i i beat it in like eight hours or something like that but i was able to get like the best of both worlds by doing this you know and then after that like you like it's common now when we play games that we see these scenes and everything but like back then, it was like, "Whoa, this is like a movie, yeah. like like a spy movie that I'm playing right now." <laughs> yeah, it really is. It it really brought it to the next level, and I think it was like the saving grace for this game. Like the between the story and the music, or the you know the voice acting, uh, this wouldn't have been that good of a game if you had to read the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't have been that good of a game if they didn't, you know. If if they did not put so much effort into a story, especially because it gives the characters like more depth and everything. Like when you see yeah. like how they flesh characters out, because if you're sitting there like Otacon and he's just like you're reading everything, you're like he's just a nerd, like he's just a that, computer nerd. That reminds me, I he must be a fairly popular voice actor, Otacon, whoever played his voice. I can't think of it off the because. Top of my head. I've heard him play nerds before in yeah. like anime or some other some other stuff. Yeah. So like his voice was very iconic. I I don't know who it was. Yeah. But I, I I was listening to him talk and I'm just like I he like embodies the like tech nerd. Like yeah. he just he his voice has been played yeah. for that similar role before. Yeah, and the lady who voiced Naomi and everything, she's like a very popular voice actress too. She does like everything in video games yeah, too. Sure. So it was like, you, you start to see these things and they're like, man, they just did so good. And they actually, all the voice actors like imbibe their character. Well, it's not like yeah. they had someone like, I don't like the way they sound or anything like that. You're like, I can see this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. No, it was really good. Definitely worth, worth the nine. Yeah. I, I almost gave it a 10. Um, but there wasn't, I, I think that if the the sound effects were a little bit better, some of them were like the gunfire was it sounded good, but I don't know. It just I don't. It, it was there were there yeah. were aspects of it that were just kind of weird. Um, the footsteps kind of got annoying to me. Um, the uh, every time you got caught by a camera. That was really annoying to me. (laughs) That sound, that like alarm sound. Yeah. But, you know, it's got the iconic, like when you get caught and everything, the exclamation point, like, you know, you hear people that is like messages on their phones or everything, or the codex sound and everything like that. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, that that sound is very iconic. So so overall gameplay um, experience, what what did you give it out of 10? I gave it a 7. 7? I gave it a six and I thought about giving it more, but every time it's like, I'm so conflicted because the story was really good and I was motivated to keep going because of the story. But like the gameplay was so crappy yeah. that like, ah, like I, I, I think a six is fair. 
Yeah, for me, I think the story and everything carries this one. Yeah, it does. The gameplay, obviously, is probably what brings it down to seven, but I just, I like it so much that I think, like, a seven out of ten is, like, probably where I would give it. Like, you fix a couple things up and everything, it gets bumped up higher easily. Yeah, and I would definitely say that had we played, like, the GameCube version or the PS2 version... I think we would have had a lot higher scores because the gameplay wouldn't have been as terrible. Like mm. even if all the scores were the same, but gameplay was like double as good, that mm. would have given gameplay like an eight, which would have made the whole, mm. my overall score mm. would have went up and like the whole game would have, I would have probably gotten from a C mm. to like a, a top B. Yeah. And that's like probably one of the things they realized when they were doing a remake is like, you know, it, it helps us clean this up and make this like yeah. just a better experience and everything. So yeah. good job on them on the remake. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and it, I don't think it really would have taken that much. Like as far as if they'd have taken this exact same game as is and just kind of like tweaked the gameplay, the like movements, the, the, you know, the way that you use your weapons some of the like quirkiness of getting caught or like, you know, how you can hide. I think if they tweaked that this game alone Mm. as is would be so much better. Yeah. But you know, the, the other versions take it that step up too, where they don't, they change like graphics and everything to it. Yeah. Because the next one to come out was on PlayStation two. And I think it was around like 2002 ish. So, four years like removed from this one and yeah. it's it's even more cinematic the like whole, like one of the better looking playstation 2 right. games and everything like yep. that and they just made all these changes in that four years and it was just like whoa <laughs> right yeah it doesn't take much we know yeah um so i don't know i think that's about it my my total out of 50 was a 35 mine was a 38 so that makes us a 73 out of 100 that is a solid c which is good and i think that's that's perfectly fair for this yeah absolutely like i think you you said earlier and i agree too like with the remake or anything just even these little differences would bump it up to a b yeah it really would have but a c is like nothing to like scoff at either a c is perfectly respectable we've played worse games We've absolutely played. <laughs> you should try playing a Claymate sometime and see how you like that. Talk about an infuriating game. Um, no, I did have a good time. This isn't something that uh, I would have otherwise picked up had it not been for you wanting to yeah. play it for the podcast, so I appreciate that. Um, it's it's not my realm of video games. as At least that's what I thought. But this is way more RPG than it is like a shooter game. Yeah. And I liked the stealth aspect of it too. So like I could see myself maybe playing some other of the Metal Gear Solid series. Yeah. It's just one of those things where like the story just it gets you a little bit and like that's what like kind of keeps you going along because yeah, it does get cliche at times, but you still kind of sit there wondering like what's exactly fully going on. Right. And everything. And then sometimes it just goes off the rails and you're like whoa this, this, is, cr- <laughs> this, this is crazy, crazy. <laughs> and it, it, it only gets like crazier. crazier from here on out so <laughs> awesome yeah this one's like tame compared to like everything else that comes yeah, along afterwards sure. all right well um i really do appreciate you coming on the podcast again well, thanks for having me um 
I hope you had a good time playing Metal Gear Solid like I did. Oh, I did. <laughs> um, yeah, I would strongly suggest if you haven't had a chance to watch my playthroughs, just at least try and find a couple mm-hmm. boss fights and see how infuriating yeah. I really get. I think um, my final episode where I'm fighting some of the like, like Metal Gear and I'm fighting Liquid Snake a couple times, I just get so angry. <laughs> I just am so fed up with the game at that point. I'm, I was seriously ready to just be like, zero. The whole game's getting a zero. All right. Did you swear during any of the live streams? A very little bit. But I, were you I, holding it in? I kept it I kept it to a minimum. I think I might have said the S word a couple times under my breath. But um that was like the first while I was still trying to get used to the game. I think the worst thing, like yeah, the, the boss fights were tough, but like the worst thing was every time I got shot, I fell on the ground. Yeah. I spent more time on the ground than anywhere else in that And then game. you're mashing buttons to get back and up then, and everything. And, and then I stand back up, and then I hit X, and I fall back down to the ground again, and I'm rolling around, yeah. and I'm just getting shot at, and I'm ugh, so angry. So angry. Anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening and watching this episode of uh, Metal Gear Solid. Um, our next podcast episode may or may not be Mario Odyssey. <laughs> it just depends on what uh, what games get played next. Uh, but that episode will be out on the 1st. So if you want more updates, check out our website, zapnight.com, where you can see everything we've got going on. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye. Bye. <laughs>